Uh, it was perhaps a bit puzzling this morning on Trinity Sunday to hear the first lesson, um, which is the first chapter of Genesis. And the first Sunday after Pentecost, the Trinity Sunday today, when Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit was fulfilled. And now all at once we're back at the beginning of the story. The beginning of history, the beginning of humans in relationship with God. And yet in the other two readings, we hear of the final admonition of Jesus' earthly ministry. God's called on not as Father only, but as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity is a cornerstone of Christian theology, and it's invoked in these passages from the earliest times. This idea of the Trinity is difficult to discuss difficult to understand, difficult to explain. You almost need a mental or a visual sleight of hands to make any sense of the concept. Can one be three? Can three be one? Don't expect me to explain this to you. If I could, I might be uh, eligible for canonization. <laughs> when we understand more about why the church adheres to this belief, we may be able to acknowledge a, a better sense of why the church persists in this. One means of access is to understand the Trinity as available only by intuition. We can feel that a creator, a redeemer, a guide can all be actually one being. Or we can experience the three elemental beings as facets of one person. When you think of, of any person very close to you, you'll realize that she or he is vividly present, but sometimes we associate that presence as guidance, sometimes consolation, sometimes help, sometimes love. We know that any man can be a son, a father, a brother, a teammate, an opponent, a leader, but still be just one man. Those we know best we know in multiple ways and in multiple roles. But don't quote me about any of this since nearly everything I suggested as a means through which to think of the Trinity have been discredited already by somebody as inadequate or even as heretical. We know that the idea of God as a father is the one we heard about today in the passage from the first chapter of Genesis. That is the intimate role designated by our theological ancestors as the father, the creative energy of the universe. Human beings are not equipped to know this God, but in the role of father, we can imagine a creator who chose to give us life. In Jesus, we learn of the accessible God, one, one who lived out a man's life in time and space being born as a helpless baby, growing up under the guidance of a mother and father, walking, talking, eating, sleeping, laughing, crying, losing his temper, holding conversations with his friends, crying over the death of a friend, coming to terms with the vicissitudes of the culture and politics of his life in time and space, perhaps even conscious that with us, if we just relax and let our environment clarify, we know this presence which does not intrude, but is always available. The church teaches us that the creation of the earth in all its basic believable elements is the work not just of God the Father, but was overseen and observed by the presence of his son, who would at a certain point in time become 
part of that creation as an apparent subordinate to Godhead. And when we hear in the early document about the moments of linear invention, a procession of physical places and lives, we sense that it is the spirit of the divine that infuses everything we know with life. God in three persons, blessed Trinity, we sing in an old hymn. And, and, and that God in three persons made us and all that is lived among humans who are in all essential ways like us and is still with us, in us, of us, around us. We give thanks for the mystery and complexity of creation. We accept it as our birthright and we need to take care of it. We need to realize that what we can now know about any of this is partial. We're part of creation, but not all. We heard in today's reading that we are made in God's image. Note in this passage clearly it says, So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. Further on in the book of Genesis, we hear that God first created a man and only created a woman later because the man seemed to need company. Why are there two different Genesis? Why are there two different stories? The discrepancy actually tells us a lot about how the book of Genesis came to be. First, there's plenty of linguistic evidence to suggest that it came to exist long before writing. Stories told in the structure of an oral storytelling with parallel sentence structure, repetition, a refrain line, like God saw that it was good, and, and the evening and the morning, the fourth day. We hear that a day starts at sundown. We learn that earth and water came first, then sea creatures, then some plants, then some animals. The order of the creation of these species mirrors quite well what we now learn from theories of evolution. Whatever one may term a day, the person or people who wrote these words down was obviously working from very ancient materials. There are apparently many versions, and two were thought necessary for inclusion in the final man manuscript. When the Hebrew Torah, the first five essential books of the Bible, was compiled, this was probably in the second or third century BC, or before the Common Era, as is more politically correct. Genesis was added. Genesis was added last, and the name Genesis, of course, is an alternate. It's used in many Indo-European languages. The one we use is from Greek. We use it for other beginnings as well, but in other language families, whatever they have as a term for the beginning of things, is the name of this first book of the Bible. Don't look Genesis up online. You'll find out only that it's an English rock group. <laughs> <laughs> the world is formed and set in motion. Humans are tasked with caring for it. Things go bad. God returns to insist on our shaping up. And then in love and consolation stays with us as a spiritual presence. 
<coughs> and that's the real story of creation. And Genesis would not be complete without the birth of Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we're blessed in our creation, salvation, and continuing companionship by our Creator, Savior, and Guide. God is with us. Let us rejoice. Amen. Amen. Amen.